California say they saw the rocket last night, the Elon Musk rocket oh, in the right. sky. How oh, cool. I wish I'd known it was visible from the ground. And I have heard from a dermatologist friend about Trump's hair. Okay. And uh, I can explain it at least partially. Fantastic. Right now, boy, this is a pleasure. Jack and I are both such big fans of Howard Kurtz. He is uh, the Fox News Channel media analyst. He's the host of Media Buzz Sundays on Fox News Channel. Longtime Washington Post columnist, uh, winner of various awards and author of some fine books, including the new one, Media Madness, Donald Trump, The Press, and the War Over Truth. Howard, how are you, sir? Uh, good. With an intro like that, I better bring my A-game. Well, yeah. listen, we have no reason to kiss your butt or any other guests, and, and we don't. We just happen to be really big fans of yours Thank because you. you're, you're, you're smart, you're fair, and uh, in the, the nutty whirlwind of media that we're all dealing with right now, we think you know a calm voice is pretty important. Yeah, I really like your Sunday show now. I it's It's part of my regular rotation because I feel like I need to check in on... Somebody who's policing the media to try to figure out what's going on. I don't. I feel like it's never been more difficult for the average citizen to try to figure out what is actually happening with a story. The media have never been more polarized. They've never been a more central part of the story. That's in part due to Donald Trump. Uh, and also, we're all exhausted from working around the clock because this guy makes news at all times, so we're more likely to say something dumb on the air. Yeah, you know, listen, I'm really sympathetic to the idea of that if something truly is e- truly evil is happening in a society, uh, the media has uh, not only a role, but a duty to call it out. I think that's, that's how a democracy survives. Yet, we're, we're so whipped up politically, uh, uh, the hotelier Donald Trump being some sort of new Hitler is a laughable notion. But a lot of people in the media are so whipped up, they're now fighting, quote-unquote, Hitler, and it's Donald Trump. So I just... I don't know. I don't know. Where are the lines? Where, who's, who's the referee? Well, I believe in aggressive coverage of every president. But, you know, there is simply no question. None of us have ever seen anything like this. There's just unrelenting wave after wave of negativity when it comes to covering President Trump, uh, a guy who uh, most of my colleagues in the news business didn't think was going to get elected, didn't think should get elected. And, we, you know, we talk about Hitler. I've seen those references often from celebrities. But also, at the same time, you know, you have, uh, you know, commentators saying, you know, he's unhinged, he's lost a step, early Alzheimer's, let's talk 25th Amendment. I mean, stuff is so far over the top. Uh, and even some journalists I reported media men, this, you know, is a New York Times reporter who privately uh, referred to him as a racist and said anybody at the RNC who supported him in the campaign was also a racist. Uh, there are others who use uh, language, demeaning and disdainful language against people who supported him, which happens to be 63 million Americans. So this is a war on both sides. Sometimes President Trump goes too far. Uh, but I just was compelled to write this book to try to figure out how we got to this point in uh, what is usually an adversarial relationship, but not always such a hostile one. I've seen some interviews with you on this book. Um, uh, I know you feel that the media that hates Trump is actually doing themselves a disservice by constantly, you know, uh, yelling the sky is falling. Yeah, I mean, look, there's damage on both sides. Uh, although I have this theory that nobody quite understood during the campaign, but I think more people are buying it now, which is that negative coverage helps Donald Trump because, for one thing, he dominates the agenda. The more he's being attacked by the media, then he pushes back, pokes uh, his finger in the eye of journalists who are whipping up, uh, you know, going railing against the so-called fake news organizations. It just means we're all Trump all the time. But secondly, the people in this country who are still enthusiastic supporters of the president, most of whom are outside the bubble that 
most New York and D.C. and L.A. journalists live in, um, they don't like their guy being attacked in such harshly personal terms, and they feel disdain from the mainstream media. Now, are some of the wounds self-inflicted? Sure. Oh, of course. Trump sometimes distract from his agenda yes. by, with the tweets. Yes, absolutely. And I, I write about this behind the scenes in the White House, how his aides sometimes try to restrain him, often with little success. Uh, that's part of the story, too. But I think the bigger damage right now from where I sit is to a, a news business that I love. I'm a product of the mainstream media. You know, years working at places like the Washington Post, and I just think it's really costing us big time in terms of credibility. I see in your bio here you were actually hired by Bob Woodward, who's had, had some fairly critical things to say about uh, the current coverage. Yeah, it's interesting, the split between Woodward and Bernstein. So Carl Bernstein is now a CNN commentator, and he is uh, virulently anti-Trump. And just the other day he said this is like the old days of McCarthyism. I mean, fine to criticize the president. Every president gets criticized, but it's just so harshly personal and over the top. Whereas Woodward uh, has talked uh, on a couple of occasions about how um, the media seem to have drunk the anti-Trump Kool-Aid and that sort of thing. Uh, so they, they've ended up in the Watergate duo has ended up in uh, very different places. Well, I saw an interview a while back, uh, Sally Quinn, uh, wife of Ben Bradley, who ran the Washington Post back in the day and was talking about how when Nixon resigned, he came out in the newsroom and said, I don't want to hear any cheering. This is not right. a happy day. This is a sad day. That It's impossible to imagine that sort of spirit now, isn't it? Um, look, you tune on, you know, I check out all the coverage because that's my job. And every night now, especially when these stories break uh, in the New York Times and the Washington Post, and some of the stories are legitimate about the Russian investigation, and others are sort of incremental developments that are hyped to an 11. You know, well, if everything's an 11, then nothing's an 11. And, you know, you look at these panels on CNN and MSNBC, and they're just, you know, either they're Russia, 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 or they're beaten up on the president over other things. Uh, and, and, most of the Fox primetime hosts are very supportive of the president, but there's a news division at Fox, people sometimes forget, that I think at least tries to cover the guy fairly. It's me and Brett Barron, Chris Wallace, you know, um, and, and there's a tendency among Fox detractors to say, well, Fox is attacking the FBI, and Fox is playing defense with the president. Well, Fox is a big place. It's got opinion and it's got news. Brett Baer is not only the best uh, anchor on the air today, he's one of the best ever. He is absolutely terrific. Howard Kurtz is on the line. Howard, um, to what extent does the constant reinforcement of hyperbole on social media uh, play a role, including, you know, the Russian bots and the rest of it? Yeah, well, it plays a role in my life because I get attacked every hour. And it's funny, I, I, whether it's with this book or uh, on my show, Media Buzz, you know, I will be down the middle, and I'll say, well, you know, the media went too far in this, but President Trump shouldn't have tweeted about Mika Brzezinski's facelift. Uh, <laughs> For instance. <laughs> uh, which, which is an interesting little story in media madness, because people thought, you know, there's a, everyone knows there's a falling out between Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski and their former friend Donald Trump, but when Trump did the facelift tweets, which I just thought was punching down, and the president oh, absolutely. didn't go there. Yeah, but then he's talking to Anthony Scaramucci, you know, who was communications director for about 11 minutes, and he says to him, so what'd you think? I, I know what you're going to say, unpresidential. And the mooch says, yeah, I didn't think you needed to go there. And Trump says, so is North Korea off the TV? Yeah, says the mooch. Uh, is health care off the TV? There was a battle over Obamacare at the time. And Scaramucci says, yeah, I guess you could say that. And Trump says, sounds good to me. So sometimes it's wow. a matter of strategery. 
Wow, um, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, he's a programmer. He knows how to change the subject. I'm as confused by his strategy as I am by his hair. I just, <laughs> I can't decide when he's. You know, we do. We get emails all the time from uh, big Trump fans saying, "You fools, he's playing four dimensional chess." And uh, then the next day, he just seems like he's an idiot. So, but he's he's mystifying. I guess that's the word. But never dull. Oh, no. good Lord. So, so what? I could use some dull. Where do I go to get dull for a week? Right. Well, you know, it hasn't been a dull lighthouse. And one of the things I write about in the book are these self-destructive leaks that were just out of control in the first eight months, still happening to some extent. Now, John Kelly is the target, whereas earlier was Wright's Priebus. Uh, I write about Steve Bannon uh, kind of being in a state of war with Ivanka and Jared. And there was a confrontation in the Oval Office where Ivanka finally had enough. And she, in front of her father, she accused Bannon of leaking all kinds of stuff against she and her husband. And Bannon said, no, no, you're the leaker. I mean, wow. this is a team that most of whom had never been in government before, didn't particularly like each other. And sometimes they're leaking stuff. You know, I mean, contrary to what the president says, we don't make this stuff up. The White House is a leaky place. And when, you know, unnamed White House officials or advisors are saying, well, gee, we're afraid that, you know, we don't want Trump to talk to Mueller because we're afraid he'll perjure himself. Or, you know, we need to keep the president under, under wraps on North Korea or we don't want him blowing up the budget deal. It, it undermines him, makes him look bad. And these are people who are supposed to, supposedly on his side. So I can't fault the press for dealing with those leaks, although sometimes I think we let too many people, you know, take cheap shots from behind a curtain of anonymity. Right, absolutely. And then we went through the whole Fire and Fury book, which kind of ended with his uh, hinting that the the ambassador to the United Nations was sleeping with the president, which was just so out of bounds. Um, and, and, and so it's just ugly on, on so many different sides. Well, and we had a bit of fun the other day playing that from MSNBC in which they spent five minutes with that uh, Yahoo Wolf taking him completely seriously. Yeah, well, my, solid the, segment, and then they turned to the Nikki Haley stuff and dressed him down, pulled down his pants yeah. in public, having just taken him seriously. Well, I was on uh, Morning Joe for Rare Appearance this week, and I joked before I came on, I said, well, I hope you know, I don't get kicked off the set, and so at the end, <laughs> Joe said, well, you made it through without getting kicked off. Look, the virtue of my book is everything in there is true. I'm a very careful journalist. A lot of things I took out of the book because they were either disputed or I didn't have two sources on it, uh, and so... I'm trying to be a fair broker here. I, I do think I really am worried about the damage to the media's credibility uh, with the sort of one-sidedness, you know, what Steve Bannon called the opposition party. I don't believe the press is the opposition party, but sometimes we do a pretty good imitation with Donald Trump in the White House. And at the same time, uh, Trump's aides have coined a phrase uh, for dealing with him. They call it defiance disorder. What that means is when they're telling him almost unanimously, don't do this, don't do this, it's political suicide, don't do it, he does it. Because no one tells Donald Trump what to do, and he lets them clean up the mess later. He says, ah, let's have a government shutdown. And then, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders comes out and says, well, we're not really looking for a shutdown. Uh, so it is, none of us has ever been through anything like this. Right. And I kept thinking that maybe it'll improve, there'll be a ceasefire, because Donald Trump really does crave the media's approval for all the harsh words. He still gives interviews to the, quote, failing New York Times. He works the reps. Uh, he meets with journalists privately. You know, he does it with me. Uh, when I bump into him, he says, you know, your problem, Kurtz, is you're too down the middle. <laughs> I said, well, Mr. President, that's a compliment in my world. But, you know, he's always trying to get a little bit better treatment. But it hasn't. It hasn't improved. And one of the reasons it hasn't is that both sides, I think, are now invested in this fight. From the point of view of the president, the press makes a very big target because of our low approval ratings and we are a useful foil. And from the point of view of the press, you know, all the Trump bashing um, is actually making money for a lot of these organizations. I mean, CNN and MSNBC are 
having really uh, big increases in the ratings as well as Fox News. New York Times digital subscriptions are soaring, and that's because they are increasingly, I think, playing to an anti-Trump crowd. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, we're about out of time. I got one final question, and just maybe some advice to me and our listeners. Like I challenged our listeners Friday morning uh, uh, when the uh, when the memo came out. I said. Watch a show on MSNBC tonight and watch a show on Fox and see how different the stories are. And like if you watch Tucker Carlson and Brian Williams that night, you know, you got two completely different versions of what's going on. What should the average person do to try to take in the stories of the day and have any idea what's actually happening? I'm with you on this. I think too many of us live in our own bubbles and we only seek out the news and information that that agrees with our pre-existing prejudices. And so it's important to know what the other side is saying, whether you're a conservative or liberal, whether you're a moderate or isn't a political junkie, you know, it, it, we're at a point now where you better check more than one website, more than one channel. I mean, look, I like people to watch Fox, but it's, it's healthy to know uh, uh, what the rest of the media are saying, if only to reach your own judgment about whether you can trust the coverage. Howard Kurtz is the host of Media Buzz on Fox News Sundays. He's the author of Media Madness, Donald Trump, the Press, and the War Over the Truth. Howard, really enjoyed it. I hope we can do it again sometime. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Great to talk to you. Thanks. Man, he's he's as rare as seeing a bald eagle, though. Yeah, get a copy of that book. I want to read that, dang it, or download or something. Oh, yeah, please. No, his day is past. Sad old man. How many no, I'm pe- kidding. How many people are getting up every day in the world of journalism and trying to do what he does? Not very many. Well, and it just, for the umpteenth time, it's the era of both are true. Donald Trump says crazy stuff. He does odd things. His White House is, if not dysfunctional, weirdly functional. And most of the media is bent on his destruction and has Trump derangement syndrome. Both are true. Text line 415-295-KFTC. That's some danged interesting stuff right there. Yeah, the world's biggest bra is up for sale, so if you have the world's biggest boobs, stay tuned. Wow, that's just... I'd assume you'd already know that if you're in that situation. (laughs) You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. seen it before somebody somebody made this giant bra and they'd hang it from buildings at like really big breast cancer fundraiser oh. events or something like that yeah. it was like a novelty size it was a 1360b mm. it's uh, a big gal about 250 yards of material gal that big needs support with a, with a bust measurement of about uh 30 yards mm. so it's quite large and it's for sale for like 600 Hundred dollars, thousand dollars. Um, Can so, you get yeah. a mortgage hey, on it? My eyes are up here. <clears throat> so very if you, nice. You need that? Buy that. Very nice. Uh, I had a follow up. What was my follow up? Oh, a, a story from real life. A story from real life. So yesterday, I'm looking at my smartphone constantly. Can't stop because I've I've got an addiction. We need <laughs> to talk to those uh, tech guys that are making the rounds right now, um, trying to warn the world and come up with strategies for dealing with the. Uh, the tech addiction. Right. It is it is troubling. One guy making the point that there are really three companies 
involved in the first thing we all do every day and the last thing we do every night for for, for most of us. Mm. Look at our phone. Mm. There are like three companies. I thought you meant involved in brush the whole our thing. teeth. Big crest. Never, never have three companies had so much influence over such a giant percentage of the population. Right. Google, Facebook, and Apple. Mm. Is that it? Or Google, Facebook, and Twitter? I don't know what the big three are, but I don't know. Twitter wishes they were, but um, but anyway, yeah, it it is troubling. But that aside, so I'm checking my phone. I got all of a sudden I got like 15 emails from my credit card company wow. in a row. And uh, one says, congratulations on signing up from Apple Pay. And then the next one said, you have uh, just taken your card off of Apple Pay. Then the next one said, congratulations on signing up for Apple Pay. Then the next one said, you just took your card off of Apple Pay. And they just mm. went back and forth like that. Hanson's nodding his head. I think you recognize what's going on here, don't you? Because you just had this happen to you. Maybe you should come in here and tell your story, because that's a good warning for people. Because this, this, we've all had our information hacked at this point, right? Uh, oh, yeah. That's just guaranteed. Uh, 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 yeah, we might not have been the victims of anything large at this point. But, but it's yeah, out absolutely. there. Sure. It's out there. It's I mean, just... the Equifax thing alone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sure, everybody. Virtually yeah. everybody. Yahoo has been hacked however many times. Yahoo. And, uh, yeah, the Equifax thing and everything. So the information's out there. You just hope that nobody actually is drilling down and getting to uh, the nitty-gritty on your stuff. Right. And somebody did on mine. Because then I finally had one says your email address has been changed. If this was not you, please call the company. And I'm, okay, Whoa. now now I absolutely know what's going on. So I called up the company, and somebody had called up earlier in the day, wish with my personal information, and changed the email address and signed up from Apple Pay and went out and bought a bunch of stuff. Mm. And uh, but a human being, see, I, I'm always assuming that most of this stuff is going to be computers doing something, you know, randomly. But, man, when they're getting down to the nitty-gritty of a human being called the phone number for their credit card company with my name, my social security number, my address, all the mm-hmm. information you, you need to get in and start changing the stuff, yeah, that is uh, annoying. Well, that guy bought a list of 250 names, and he's just going through them, right. buying stuff. How many people are doing that, though? A mm, hundred. I don't know. A lot. <laughs> Because well, I just, it just seems like it would be difficult to do because they've got hundreds of millions of people's profiles. How do they choose which one to uh, to call up? Do they just do it randomly? Or? I don't know. That's an interesting question. Yeah, I don't know how that works. You want my credit score identity thieves? Come and get it. It's fine. You can have it. I'll tell it to you. <laughs> you can handle the debt. <laughs> so, uh, very briefly. We'll start calling you instead. You know what? We ought to have... Uh, Anton, uh, talk about that a little later on. You can elaborate and let yeah. people know how to know something hinky is going on immediately. Because Hanson actually called the guy who hacked him and got yeah. him on the phone, which is a good story. The president has alopecia areata or ophiasis. It's a hair loss condition. Jack, take a look at this picture. Is that not the president? That's what he has. Yeah. Exactly what he has. Well, that would explain the elaborate, weird yeah. haircut for all these years. Well, he's a victim of a horrible thing, so you know, should oh. have sympathy for him, not sure. mock him. Shouldn't be laughing at him. Who are you looking at? What are you at? talking? What? <laughs> What's coming up? I your was news, trying Marshall? to be sympathetic. Newly released text from FBI lovers raising questions about Obama's involvement in the Clinton email scandal. Oh. Coming up minutes from now. Good stuff. Oh Next. boy, on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
So we got another good guest. What are we going to talk about? We got the space launch we're really into. Sure, yeah, very exciting, hilarious, inspiring, etc. Elon Musk, my new man crush. What did you say? Actually, he's not a new man crush. What did you say the um, president has? The official thing is called. You could have given me a warning. <laughs> yeah, let me think. Let me see. There I was in medical school, and I was sitting in class. Oh, yes, now I remember. Alopecia areata, or when it's mostly at the back of the head, ophiasis. Ophiasis. Whatever. Whatever. Uh, it's clearly what he has. Oh, he yeah, has absolutely. a hair loss condition. Which is, yeah. Which, which explains his crazy elaborate uh, haircut. Absolutely. Yeah, hairstyle. Let's get the news now with Marcia Phillips. Well, newly revealed text messages between the FBI lovers Peter Strzok and Lisa Page include an exchange about preparing talking points for then FBI Director James Comey to give to President Obama, who wanted to know everything we're doing. Obama! Where's, where's Hank Jr.? It's been ages since we've used that clip. Obama! It, it was hey. like an old friend. The, the message among thousands of texts between the lovers that have been reviewed now by Fox News. As you know, the pair worked at one point for the special counsel Robert Mueller's probe of collusion, alleged collusion, between the Trump campaign and Russia. Page wrote to Strzok on September 2nd, 26, uh, 2016, about prepping Comey because POTUS wants to know everything that we are doing. Now, according to a newly released Senate report, this text raises questions about Obama's personal involvement in the Clinton email investigation. So Fox is really running with this point, this talking point. Wow, yeah. Let me uh, let me scroll down to that. Um, yeah, that is, that is really interesting. As usual, it's just ambiguous enough yeah. to not know quite what's going on but these two were virulently anti-republican and Mm pro-democrat among the newly disclosed texts Strzok also calls Virginians who voted against uh, FBI director Andy McCabe's wife uh, ignorant hillbillies Wow. The fact that she lost, disappointing but look at the district map Loudoun is being gentrified but it's still largely ignorant hillbillies Good for her running, but curious if she's energized or never again. All right. Well, there you go. So those texts continue to come out one after another after another after another. Well, lots of people have those kind of opinions yeah. about various groups of people. Sure, and as I have pointed out many times, a private thought does not equal a public pronouncement. We all, all say things in private mm-hmm. that we would uh, we would uh, filter somewhat. We would uh, change for public consumption. I mean, are you are we going to pretend that to hire an FBI agent, you have to hire somebody that has no opinion on oh, various no, groups just... of people or no opinions on anything political? No, that would no, be a very weird person. President Trump wants the Pentagon to hold a military parade in Washington, D.C. The Washington Post reporting the plans for a parade took root at a meeting between Trump and his top generals in January, with Trump telling them he wanted a military parade like the one he'd seen in France when he visited last year for Bastille Day. Now, I'd ca- like to know the history on this. I'm kind of surprised I don't. Have we ever done this in our nation's history? Did we used to do it and stop? Uh... Lots of countries do it. I assume we did it at some point. How long has it been, though? Is there a reason we don't? I believe we did it back uh, during the first, uh, the second Iraq War. It was uh, under the bushes. 
Well, hmm. we, we had a military parade. But we've never like... Like several uh, of my dog's toys under the bushes. Interesting. <laughs> yes. But just soldiers marching. We've never had the tanks going through the streets or anything like that, have well, we? According to this very uh, preliminary Google search, the last one was in 1991, the Gulf War Victory yeah. Parade. Okay. Yes. They, they were yeah. kind of towing some, looks like, fighter jets through the streets. So not quite tanks, but similar yeah. military right. vehicles. But tanks would be rough on the pavement, wouldn't they? Yeah. Well, he wants tanks. Trump wants tanks. Yeah, right. the streets. We'll lay down a bunch of plywood, um, Mr. President. Also looks like in 1961, Kennedy's inauguration. Yeah. This is being called a military parade. And then 53, Eisenhower's inauguration. And 42 and I'm gonna 46. I'm going to stop when you get to 1813. <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> that's so that's one. interesting. Yeah. We used to do it on the inaugurations of new presidents, mm-hmm. it would seem. We did Eisenhower and Kennedy. I don't know. Maybe you can nail down whether it was actually armament, because I think that right. makes a difference. Just in terms of the look, because when I think of a parade in front of a world leader, I think Stalin, whoever's in charge in China, whoever's right. in charge in North Korea, that's usually right. the type of people that do that. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that it necessarily is an evil that Trump wants to do this. Well, Cal- just trying to figure out the history. California Congresswoman Jackie Spears certainly thinks it's an evil, telling CNN... It's really a waste of money, and I think everyone should be offended by his need to always be showing. He's 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 truly Napoleon-like. Now the Congress- All right, now that's fairly ridiculous. The expense thing, okay. The always needing to be showing off, eh, got some truth there. Congresswoman going on to say... Any of those kind of military parades that I've seen in the past, it is all about, um, uh, you know, authoritarian regimes, frankly, with the maybe the exception of, of France. But it, it's not our style. It's not the way we do business. And I, I really object to it. And I think it's going to cost a lot of money. So... All right, really settle down. down Settle to God, I'm so tired of you. Everybody always pretends money's the reason they're against something. Yeah, now you're a fiscal hawk, Jackie, are you? Well, that's a real... Uh, gee, holy cow. Yeah, that's what that, I'm worried about, crowd control. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, porta potty I mean, we don't have enough porta potties. Uh, what That picture you just showed me, Sean, what is that? That was from the Eisenhower's inauguration. Wow, Army tanks of, move along the okay. Pennsylvania Avenue. That's, nice. That's full on, yeah. uh, this is our military right. sort of parade. But, you know, I'm sorry, before we move on, the irony about Jackie Spear talking about totalitarian regimes is that she wants every aspect of your life, every aspect of the economy, everything you do to be regulated by the government. She is a big, big government fan. Um, yeah, but you know with Eisenhower... But it's makes, for your own good, so that's different. With Eisenhower, though, that makes a lot more sense because he was a hero of World War II, you know, the top general. Yeah. Well, and we had just, uh, with, uh, you know, help from 100 million dead Russians or so, uh, vanquished uh, evil. Right. Now, so, you know. a lot of the lefties who are horrified by this, this is the crowd that it just thinks... You know, owning a gun is 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 evil. Having a military is evil. Having military people recruit on high school or college campuses right. is evil. If They're, there were no militaries, there would be no wars. Right. If you had no military, there'd be no wars. Um, again, I don't know where I come down on this, but I'm thinking about. I've, I've been. I'm reading this book about uh, uh, diplomacy in the 30s. It's the the, the diary of the Russian ambassador to England at the time. And it is, one thing has really struck me is how much of this, the decisions in geopolitics come down to an individual's feelings, one person's feelings. Hmm. And they recognized Hitler was a tough guy and couldn't be pushed around. Some other people didn't. Stalin said, these guys are crazy if they don't think Hitler's going to move. Blah, blah. It comes down to whether or not you think somebody's a tough guy or not. Mm-hmm. It's not just... Um, well, it's not a dumb idea to project strength as an individual. Right. 
the the little fat head the in North Korea. Is, can we get him to back down all the time? The little fat head in North Korea might see that sort of parade and back down. It could actually happen. That's holy sort of thing, crap! They have that many tanks. That sort right. of thing happens. It may, maybe you think it's childish that men react that way, but men do react that way. It's the same thing Osama bin Laden said. People go with the strong horse. I mean, they just right. go with who they think is strong. Mm. Maybe that is a weak impulse, but that seems to be the way we're built. Well, listen, yeah, it is unquestionably the way we're built, and maybe you, you can pass judgment on it, but it is. You can w- wish for a world that is more wonderful and unicornian, if you like, but that is what is and always has been. You know, and I'm not saying just because Julius Caesar did it, it's okay. But you're just a fool if you think that we're going to achieve some sort of pacifist nirvana on Earth. It will never happen. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Is I'm it, not a fan of Hitler. There you go. Is it too, he disavows. Is it too sword-rattling-y for a lot of people? Is that the problem? Looks like you want to go to war. I, I, I think that's being silly. I just... <sighs> We're not going to go to war because we just had a parade. I mean, it's just dumb. On the other hand, I don't really see any need for it. We're projecting our our strength around the globe 24-7. What are your thoughts? 415-295-KFTC. God forbid we take a phone call. The text line is 415-295-KFTC. Do we even give the phone number? No! Why would we give the phone number? (laughs) So what if somebody accidentally calls us? Then what are we going to do? I don't know. (laughs) Uh A lot more on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In San Diego, this is a cool story, in San Diego, a Girl Scout is in trouble for selling cookies outside a legal weed dispensary. (laughs) Yeah. However, the girl isn't worried because she is now worth $200 million. Because the stoned people wanted to buy a lot of cookies. That's why. Stoners like cookies is the point of that joke. I see. So Trump throws out the idea of having a military parade. That, like everything else, has to become a controversy. Yes. That's the way we live our lives. And it may be a sign of the growing dictatorship. Blah, blah, blah. Nobody can ever say, hmm, that's kind of a good idea. I'm not sure it's a good idea. And just kind of be like, just kind of non-committal. fun, but expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's like that. It's either either has to happen or it's evil. That, those are our only choices. You ask people Chinese food tonight or Thai, and you'll get, you raped my eyes with your Chinese menu. Oy. A few texts, because I threw that out there. Why not celebrate our military? They've been fighting full-time since 2001. Yeah, amen to that, brother. Different text parade will, make, a parade will make the military and all connected to it feel good, feel appreciated. Those ripples could be important. We also got this like from that? someone in the military. Coming from a Marine, parades and ceremonies are a gigantic pain in the ass, and most see them as a waste of time. Yeah. My brother would say this, I'm sure. There's that. Endless rehearsals and marching practice, all of which takes time away from training, with already minimum, which is already minimized by the nonstop uh, transgender integration training and the like. Oh, boy. 
And, uh, you know, if we're going to spend X million dollars on something, how about we get some spare parts for our airplanes so that, for instance, in our recent show of force next to North Korea, we had to send one bomber up instead of two because we couldn't get the second one to fly. Of course, we could probably do both if the Pentagon wasn't the world's biggest, most hide-bound, dysfunctional bureaucracy. Yeah, somebody texted, we could buy three toilet seats and a couple hammers with that kind of money. Huh. <laughs> Um, will there be goose stepping? Well, that'd be something. I think, I think <laughs> actually, I think the Trump critics would have an argument. Perhaps he had the soldiers goosed up. <laughs> what is it with military dictatorships and their need for elaborate marching? I don't know. They can't just march, you know, in the, the, the classic style. You got to throw your legs up high or wave your arm around or bend your knees in a weird way. Or is, what it the, is it the Chinese or North Koreans that kind of do that hopping thing that seems like it would take so much energy? Yeah. Yeah. You kind of hop, <laughs> marching along. Wow. I don't know how long you could do that. How about that stuff that they do at the uh, Pakistan-India border? Now, that's some wacky marching. Um, Keeps your hamstrings stretched out, though. On the FBI texts that are coming out, they're, they're out there. It's just going through the thousands and thousands of them. To hell with the politics and constitutional issues. I want the dirt on the affair. I know I kind of yeah. do, too. It's a... Yeah. It's, it's an ugly side of me that wants to see that. I want to see the flirting, the breaking up, the spouses the finding out, the, the hiding from the bosses, booking hotels on FBI credit cards. I want it all. Wow, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. That would be wrong. It's none of our business. Exactly. Prying into other people's lives for entertainment. Sick. Um, How we, much did they, they do it? I mean, was it like constant? Was it like honeymoon sex or... That would be Was something it more again. that they were craving companionship? They were in cold marriages? and He sends a text, I, I can't tonight. we got to take a break. It's been nine days. Something like that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's childish. Yes. Um, oh, and on the textbooks, selling back your textbooks in college. I used to highlight randomly in my textbooks <laughs> and then sell them back. I'm such a deviant. <laughs> I could hang with that texture. Oh, that is some really odd trolling there, my friend. Wow. I just art just highlighted every the in this chapter. <laughs> that is hilarious. Highlight punctuation marks. <laughs> now some hate for us. Uh-oh. Oh, no. It's all going so well. Armstrong and Getty spent five minutes trashing Trump's hair. I don't remember Armstrong and Getty trashing Obama's Dumbo ears, mole face, or, or Hillary's ginormous ass and thick ankles. I, I, I believe the term cankles has been used many times, although yes. I hate to yes. even yes. Uh, uh, dignify that idiotic criticism. Right. And you know what? I won't make fun of Trump's hair now that I know it's a condition of some sort. Yeah, if, if somebody makes a really odd hairstyle choice, mm-hmm. you can mock that, right? It's like, sure. a, it's like a weird choice of dress. If it's a physical something you can't control, like the other things you mentioned... It's pretty child. Well, it's beyond childish. Mm-hmm. I don't let my ch- children do that. Right. Uh, make fun of people's physical situations. How about he shaves his head and gets a hairpiece, though? A nice, reasonable hairpiece instead of that bizarro hairdo he's got. I guess he wants to use his own hair. And so he has, you know, a combination of NASA and graduates of art school get together and, 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 and you know, you know, sweep that stuff around where it needs to be. There's an update on Trump University out. Uh, Ex-Trump University students will finally get paid. Yeah, I just applied for my master's degree there. The president has avoided a trial as a $25 million settlement is approved. So Mm. that hopefully, I'm sure he's hoping is behind it. 
Yeah, Trump University basketball team nationally ranked, too, so that's kind of disappointing. I never... <laughs> with March Madness coming up. You're right. I never really looked into this story like you did. Is your take on it that it was just pretty much out-and-out out fraudulent? Or did just... <sighs> Did, did it have good uh, intentions and then it was largely fraudulent okay it was a it was like that you know you can get rich flipping in real estate thing where you go show for for the free meeting the free meeting's entirely a pitch of how incredibly rich you're gonna get if you buy the two hundred dollar tape series and then the two hundred dollar tape series is at least forty percent how you'll get mega effing rich if you enroll in their insider program and blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot like that. And his, his claims, his hyperbolic claims about how I'll personally approve every and they'll be blah, 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 were just false. It was like Trump stakes, but, you know, intellectual. Available at Sharper Image. But he was, he's a, he was a, <laughs> that's right, Trump stakes available at that's Sharper right. Image. But, but he was a branding guy. He was just trying to apply his brand to whoever would take it. And make money. Suckers beware. Okay. What time is it? Oh, Jesus. It's a dang near 8 o'clock. What are you going to do? Jack was the victim of identity theft. As was our executive producer. Yeah, Hanson, uh, the executive producer, has got quite a story in which he actually called the person that hacked into his bank account, (laughs) which is a cool trick. Hilarious. I wish I had thought of that yesterday. Plus more on the Elon Musk launch. Really cool. God, we're all susceptible to having our uh, credit cards and bank accounts hacked because all of us, our information's out there, just whether or not they get around to using it. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.